podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, it's James Baldwin here and welcome to Oz F1, a community for the already and soon-to-be-savvy F1 fan alike, where we provide an engaging place for old and new F1 fans with an Australian point of view. Our podcasts will be a mix of interviews, discussion, huge Daniel Ricciardo bias and opinion. We also love feedback, so why not drop us a line on Instagram at OzF1 or Twitter at OzF1 Official. That's A-U-S-F-1. First race of the year it was in Australia, and uh, Campy, look, I'm just going to dive straight into this. Go for it, Damn mate! It! <laughs> Bloody white service road. Oh, what service road? I can't believe that. I mean, it's not. I was going to say a little dent in the grass means that Daniel loses his front wing before he even gets 50 meters away from his starting point, but. I was shattered. Very anticlimactic start to the season for myself as well. <laughs> I <laughs> honestly look. I let me let me say this. So I was at the track. I was at turn nine, uh, turn nine and ten. And uh, most people will know that as the the section of the track that the camera gets the panoramic view of all of the the fans standing on the hill. Yeah. Um, the lakes on the left, the track comes to a right-hand turn um, from the right of screen. And, you know, I was standing with so many Australian fans. And, you know, it's one thing I just really want to comment on here. One thing that was really, really funny is that you've got people who clearly love Daniel wearing either Red Bull shirts or <laughs> Renault shirts in combination yeah. with a Renault or Red Bull hat, but in the in the opposite way and you know i love it it's not the i suppose what i'm trying to say is a lot of these guys love daniel like i do uh, i just had daniel ricardo gear on i had a hat and a, and a black t-shirt but um with dr on oh, it your DR t-shirt. mate love it obviously <laughs> that you can't wear, that you can't stop wearing oh well either wear that or, or gin and sometimes it's not appropriate <laughs> to wear a gin t-shirt but what i thought was was hilarious was all that anyway but standing on the side of the hill um Lights go out. Everyone's stoked that Formula One is back for 2019. And within three seconds of the lights going out, Daniel loses his front wing. Now, we saw it on the screen, but the entire hill just erupts in Australian profanity. It, I mean, if you've ever watched <laughs> YouTube Dash Cam Australia channel with every guy who says the things that they say, that's exactly what it sounded like. But it was devastating. And, uh, you know, we stood there as the, the pack came round, uh, turn nine, and everyone's really up close, really tight. You know, Hulkenberg is is fighting in the mid-pack right from the beginning. So, you know, there straight away is, is Renault displaying that they can do some good things. Uh, and then Daniel comes up at the back of the pack and with Robert. No front and ring. We'll talk about, no front ring. We'll talk about Robert and Williams a little bit later as well. But yeah. honestly... There was just this audible depression. 
<laughs> Depression. And it, it bloody sucks. How? What do you? What do you reckon, mate? Well, what are your thoughts? full disclosure for me. I'm currently in the United States, and I think it was a two a.m. race start um, where I was. So I was up at the crack of dawn, super excited. I got to watch qualifying and practice three the day before at about the same time. So the sleep schedule was quite out. After qualifying, I was pretty disappointed how Danny went. Um, although he got within, what was it, one one hundredth of Hulkenberg in qualifying. Mm. But the anticipation I had, I was so giddy, I was so excited. But, um, yeah, I think... Watching it on TV, I could see he got the jump, and I think my first reaction was Perez pushed him wide, and I thought, "What are you doing, you muppet?" I think I texted you straight away. You Just, did. Oh shit! You did. Perez off. Correct. Yeah. And, and then, that too. And then I was pretty deflated. So after that, I mean, it was a it was a really good race actually, um, hmm. but not what we were hoping for. Um, so the first lap, I was a bit deflated. And once I actually saw what happened, didn't think there was too much in the actual incident between um, Perez and Danny Rick. At the, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, geez, this is bad. But there was not, not much in it. I think Danny just got pretty unlucky with a drain or whatever it was, the grass being too yep. high. Yep. It's probably some stupid government procedure that grass had to be a certain height <laughs> someone in our bureau keeping their keeping their job relevant maybe but yeah that's, maybe. that's ultimately yeah, what cost him right so yeah you're not wrong um anyway that was i think it's interesting just just on that very quickly as well campy you know he i said this to to tommy who i was with at the track and shout out to you tommy t thanks for listening the only way that Ricardo is going to cut through here is if he's brave. And we know that he's, you know, last of the late breakers. We've said that many times about Daniel and many people have. But the only way that he was going to punch out of that mid-pack properly and get himself in front of Hulkenberg, who really he was racing properly, was, was the Hulk, yeah. was going up the inside. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. And you know what? That's exactly what Perez knew he was going to do as well. And... You know, the door just kept closing on him. You know, he, in retrospect, what do you do? He's not going to push back into the car. The grass should just be flat, right? That, I mean, is that an assumption that people would make? If you're a driver, you, you know, you, well, the grass is flat. You don't necessarily think about where all the service roads are. And you know, Albert Park is a track that is converted from a park, funnily enough, into a track. So there's all these other weird things, as you just said, some government-regulated stuff that doesn't make any sense for a race track. Sorry, that was a tongue-in-cheek comment. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I think he would have... Well, you said it now, mate. It I've, definitely means that it is. <laughs> I think he would have got away with it 99 times out of 100 on a few different other tracks. So I don't think it's... Look, I just think it was bad luck. Unfortunately, it's motorsport. These things happen. It seems to be happening to Danny way too often. Yeah, it's it's funny. and. 10 races, but that's wow. that's just life. I think I think Renault's looking pretty somewhat positive. I just hope they can stay on some sort of upward transition. Well, they kind the of got to, don't they? You know, they, they, they keep will. saying they want to be part of the top three teams and they've got the money. They're one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world, if not the biggest. And yeah. the passion's there. 
You know, they, they want to be the best. I, I, look, you and I have said this many times, 2021, new regs, throw everything up in the air and start again. Where are we going to sit? You know, Renault wasn't really around and doing the things that they're doing now back when the turbo hybrid era started. So I think well, there's going to be some interesting things. And so many people have said to me, oh, well, you know, Daniel, is he going to go to Ferrari? Is he going to go to Mercedes? And I said, well, maybe he might just stay at Renault. And wouldn't that be a great thing for the Hulk as well? Jeez, if they got into a, a, a position of a team that can actually win some races, that Hulk's actually in a team to really show his true colours. I quite like the Hulk, just as a side note. I think he's a great driver. He's just had some bad luck along the way. Yeah, anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go back a bit of time, shall we, and go to qualifying. Yes. Uh, your, thoughts, your thoughts initially on what was happening in Q3, 2 and 1? Um, I was... I was shocked at the pace of Mercedes. It came from nowhere, really. Mm. Um, Q2 came around and they turned that car up. And I think, I think from memory, Hamilton... Uh, I can't remember. Maybe Hamilton locked up in the final corner, mm. but still set a 121. And I think the Ferrari people could even tell then that's their new chief guy was shaking his head. Uh, yeah, the pace of Mercedes was quick. I think Bottas, I, I didn't think he was... I always knew Hamilton had that five-tenths in him in his last run in Q3. Um, interestingly, no-one's ever qualified within three-tenths of Hamilton in Melbourne throughout his whole career, and Bottas was the first man to do it this year. Mm. Qualified mm. in the tenth, so um, they were just—they turned up that engine and went bang. I think both Hamilton and Bottas in Q3 set four, what would have been four um, lap records. So mm. that was very, yeah, that was their pace was unbelievable, and as was Ferrari's disappointment too, and how far off they were. I was saying you just before we recorded, started recording this, that, you know, listening to Martin, Martin Brundle on Sky F1 yeah. talking about the Ferraris he, and he was saying, you know, the Ferraris are just so planted. He was talking about this in practice. Yeah. The Ferraris are planted. They look fast. They look good. You know, they've got a great driver lineup. Obviously, they had last year as well, but they've got a great driver lineup this year and the Mercs look twitchy. And I have to be honest, mate, I was feeling the same. So I went between corners five and six uh, all the way through to 13. That, that was the kind of the area of the track or the back end of the track, if you will. Yeah. Outside I couldn't agree more. On the outside, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's always interesting to see what, what goes on on the outside of the track. Um, the, the, the short of it is, he's absolutely right. And being there in the flesh, the Ferraris were planted, but the – Mercs were twitchy as they were, you know, exiting out of, especially out of nine, they were, I mean, Bottas is just like a thing possessed, honestly, but he really, really pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and the car was responding like he was pushing, 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 i.e. lots of twitchiness, understeer, oversteer, just trying to put the power down and coming out of the corner. But when it came to quality, I genuinely was gobsmacked. You know, I, you, you look at, I mean, okay, well, let's take it back to to Q1, right? Yeah. Leclerc, he's up there and he shades Hamilton. Yeah. 
you know, he's edging him out by I think it was 0.026 yeah. or something like that seconds. And you think, oh, and you know what? And this is another interesting point about Albert Park as well. There are so many support races. It's why we see people like Lando Norris and George Russell uh, not driving this track before because F3 and F2 don't exist in Australia especially for this weekend because we've got supercars, we've got the Porsche Carrera GT Cup Challenge, we've got all of these other support races. So, you know, the V8 supercars especially will go around the track, pick up all of the rubber that the F1s have just left, lay their own rubber and completely change the track condition. So for out of a race out of that into Q1 for, um, for, for, uh, for the Formula One race, I should say, the whole track is starting to evolve. And it's evolving quickly. And that's what I think we're really seeing in that too. But who gets knocked out in the first the first five to go? Stroll, Signs, Russell, Kubica, Gasly. Yeah. Uh, let's hang on. I don't see Alexander Albon or Danny Kvyat on that list. Are we... I mean, surely Gasly... Has he just gone back to Toro Rosso? Oh, no, that's right. He's definitely in a bloody mainstream team. And what did he do, Cavi? Shoot the bed. He shoot the bed. That's exactly what happened. As I and told you last podcast that he would, I, didn't, I don't rate him at all. No. You know, I, I think <laughs> this is what Red Bull say. You know, Red Bull... Red Bull <laughs> he had some bad luck. Here's the thing is that they miscalculated the cutoff delta. Oh, well, please. Did you? Signs had a good excuse. He got yeah. He was on a flyer and got caught up between yeah. Robert, well, Robert hitting the wall and a puncher in his back right. So that's not the that, first time he hit the wall, by the way. That's another thing that I want to talk uh, about. Yeah, I know. Um, so Signs has an excuse, but Gasly, mate. When you look at the times that the Stappen was setting. I think the first one was almost a second off. Oh, no, it wasn't too bad, actually. So we go through that then, and everyone's shocked. I'm Again, I'm trackside, and people are like, Gasly's driving for Red Bull, isn't he? Like, oh, I don't know who the hell he's driving for. It might as well be bloody Toro Rosso or Williams at that rate. Uh, so we go through to Q2. Hulkenberg, Ricardo, Albon, Giovinazzi, and Kvyat get knocked out. Now, this is... Incredible for Alexander Albon as a, you know, rookie yep. to get through to Q2. I was so happy for him. You know, you know, yes, he's a tie driver. So the Southeast Asia family, big shout out to him. Really great job. You know, he's so down to earth as well, but really great job. Can we just talk about how close that middle pack is? Oh, how go- I mean, I'm genuinely disappointed because I want Ricardo to be on top, but no, I'm so also excited at the same time. We're, we're talking... Danny Rick missed out by 25 one-thousandths of a second to mm. get into Q3 and was out-qualified by Hulkenberg by eight one-thousandths, which is so minuscule it's not funny. Um, I think there was six-tenths that went down from about eighth to, the, to not including Williams in this. At one stage, and I was just looking. Mm. I just thought this is ridiculously close. This sets us up for mm. a good, a good year, and they've got to be on it. They don't have a choice. They can't yeah, afford absolutely. to make those, those small mistakes as Ricardo and Hulkenberg did on their last runs in Q three. Both locked up 
in the first sector and and threw it away. Threw away that top. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Q three shootout. So, but you know, ridiculously close. It sets up. A it was funny. I'm sorry, I'm going to just jump straight into the race oh, yeah. from, from no, that comment from because yeah. that, that, that mid-pack, right? So there was – okay, there's, there's there's a couple of things I want to talk about, but I just want to talk about the mid-pack very quickly. The the Lance Stroll – or it's kind of Kimi Raikkonen, Nico, Kevin, Lance, Danny Kvyat, Gasly, Lando, Sergio, Albon group, <laughs> right? So there's quite a few in there and I'm yeah. just trying to remember – the, the grouping midway through the race around lap 30 ish the okay the disappointing part is that daniel had to pit and then he you know was coming back and i was counting so daniel would drive past it started with about 26 seconds then val three would appear then it started then it was 25 then it was 24 and 23 and he just kept gaining and gaining and gaining and daniel overtook robert he then you know he's moved into 19th and all of the the front runners, and, and and I said this to you before, Campy, but Bottas was driving like a man possessed. I've never seen someone limit. And out of nine, he jumped on the throttle so much faster than any other driver. And I'm going to use Lance as an example. Lance would come into that corner and almost coast. Yeah, he right. would downshift a couple of times and almost coast and then put the power down. Bottas was on the limit all the way through that corner. And look, you know, he's, he probably trusts the car more. The arrow is obviously a lot better than racing point, all that sort of other stuff. But just from a pure driving point of view, he was so on it and he was more on it than Lewis. His race was incredible. And we'll talk about him a little bit later, but he just, that, that whole pack was just following his lead and, and it was a train. It was Lance, it was Danny, it was Pierre, Lando and, and can I just say, I have a huge, huge now soft spot for Lando Norris. Really? I was, I, I was so impressed with Norris? him. I'm on Team Lando, and why the hell not? Also, I mean, he's a, he's, it's his first year, it's the first race at Formula One. He's likely to be around for a long time if he can do what he was doing with the McLaren that you know Alonso and just couldn't do last year. There was just. You know, he was up against it, I know, but yep. he just couldn't do it. And here's Lando coming in as a rookie and, and doing it. So, you know, big props to him. I'm a really big fan. I'm also a really big fan of his social media presence. But anyway, the point of the train is that the train just didn't stop yep. except for pits and everything else and, and, you know, changing it slightly. But it was just sort of like, okay, there's Valtteri, yep. And there's Lewis and then there's Max, yep. And then there's Seb and then there's Charles. Oh, and then there's Kimi, Lance, Danny, Pierre, Lando, Sergio. You know, like it was just all still built up the entire way through. And I'll tell you what, mate, I was, I'm so pleased because it means that we're back to having a, such a decent mid-pack race for this year. And I'm going to go back to the last podcast. I don't know who the, I don't know who the, the top three teams are going to be or top four teams. I mean, because if Max is going to do great jobs like that and Pierre can't back it up, I'm sorry, you've got to have both cars up in the top six to really be doing it to them, you know? Does that mean Kvyat's due for a promotion again? Well, we did say this, didn't we? <laughs> is it too soon at lap 20 to say, why is Danny still in the tour or so and not driving the, the Red Bull? You know, I wouldn't put it past Horner to do it, you know, and I think watching the um, the most recent documentary on Netflix, you know, it's shone a lot of light into How Red Bull him. operates. 
and how Red Bull operate. And, you know, what a lot of Daniel was saying. I was also talking to um, one of the other uh, or one of the drivers from the V8 Supercar Championship, and I won't say who, but um, their experience with the Red Bull thing. And they were saying that it's just like a vortex. You know, you get sucked in and it might look cool from the outside, but, you know, if you're not drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, or the Red Bull, you basically push to the side. And, you know, we saw that with Daniel and Abu Dhabi last year, didn't we? The very last race, they just didn't care what he was doing. I think you're anyway, right. We touched on this last episode. I think they let him down. But since since he's come out of that Red Bull contract into the new one, first race, back into all the media hype and the stuff that goes on, um, and i.e. the Netflix documentary series, I think we've got a better understanding of where Ricardo was coming from and yeah. why he made his decision. And yep, couldn't agree the, more. The more we see, the more we're starting to hear is that there was some definite tensions there and he was very let down by the way that he'd been treated um, and mm. he was being treated. And, yeah, anyway, we don't need to touch on that any more than what we did last time, but every... The, the further we track along this story, the more of an understanding we're beginning to get, which are, which I think is a good, healthy thing for us as well because it helps yeah, us understand the decision-making process because the whole Renault thing was a bit left of field. No one really expected it. Everyone really expected him to stay if he wasn't going to go to the Merck or the Ferrari. But yeah, Good on him, mate. You've, you've made your bed. You seem really happy and good in yourself First race. And I love his helmet design, by the way. Oh, mm. how good is it? Stop being them. Go on, mate. Just tell me bloody more. Honestly, oh. that was and so that just, good. That just gives you an insight into his psyche too. That he's, mm. Mm. And more of his character is starting to shine and come out. I think he's just changed his management company as well. He's got the same management company as Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. Dwayne Wade, oh. and someone else. Um, I think they're called CAA. Don't quote me on that. I think that's what they're okay. called. But yeah, right. Talk about global branding and 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 opportunities to show himself outside of just the car. Um, a bit more well, personality to come in with it. He's he's really mixed it up since he's left Red Bull because think contractually they're very much this is how it is this is how it isn't you don't yep. get to say we bought you up since you were 12 and it's, now it's reparations for what we've invested so exactly right well you've got to drink the red bull don't you and and, and you cool don't aid. get to be yeah the red bull aid you don't get to be an individual in that you have to be yeah part of the branding and you know fair enough uh, you know it's not on me and i don't really want to judge it one way or another but it genuinely seemed that like he was really unhappy where he was. Yeah. And as a big Danny fan, I've, I'm not about that. So all props to him for, for making the call and, and going to Renault because, you know, I think Cyril's really going to support him. And I don't think we got to see that side of Danny Rick last year. I mean, we saw the outbursts, but yeah, yep. the context around what we saw last year is beginning to change from what, we, from what we're now beginning to see, so... It's really good, mate. Anyway. Really good. Williams. Is it 2018 again? <laughs> Honestly, I I could not. Look, firstly, great to have Robert back in the sport. I'm just going to say this now. He doesn't deserve the seat. 
And George drove really well, uh, I think, given the car that is not good enough for his talents. Uh, I think he did very well. I just hope that he gets an opportunity to prove himself in a, in a championship winning car um, eventually. You know, I, I, there's footage of Esteban Ocon standing in the garage, you know, lightly clapping as he's realizing that his 2020 seat is fading away very rapidly. Anyway, uh, you know, the only person who wasn't happy in the Mercedes fold about yep. Valtteri winning was Esteban Ocon. Yep. I really like Esteban, by the way. I think he's a great driver and I hope he gets a seat eventually. But, you know, I, I think he probably deserves it over Kubica. I think Kubica coming back is a great story of. Um, you know, real comeback and strength and perseverance. And I'm not taking anything away from him with that, but Robert hasn't driven for a long time at a competitive level. And when you've got someone like Lando Norris is 18 years old in a better car, you know, I I just see what is the future for him? Where is he going from here? He's not going to get a Ferrari contract. He's not going to get a Mercedes contract. He's never going to be an award-winning team. You know, Kimmy's, coming at the tail end of his career at a similar age who's having a great time you know he did really well in the in the Alfa Romeo I almost said Sauber in the Alfa Romeo I think you know that, that's a great team that's going to really support him you know go back three years ago and you got people like Marcus Harrison at the back of the pack continuously like Williams so you know my point was going to be Campy do you think that we are going to see a resurgence in Williams greatness like then Sauber now Alfa Romeo you know, with three, five, five years ago when they were running the blue cars, they were just a joke on the grid. Now, really competitive. I, I don't think anytime soon. Not definitely not this year. Definitely not next year. There's obviously some stuff going on at management level. I mean, they stepped down Petty Lowe Paddy Low while he's on leave. Yeah. I I don't know enough about the ins and outs. Williams is a pretty political team. I know Claire's come mm. out and said that she needs to protect the history of Williams as well. Read into that what you will. I don't... The team's not operating very well. And I th- it's it can only be a money issue. They've got great personnel in the team. Uh, the engineering level at their headquarters is, you know, world class and it's up there. But the only thing that can be hindering that team from being good has to be a monetary issue. They don't have the money to throw around to do in order to do what they need to do. I think they came to Melbourne, they were using broken parts on the car, and when I say broken, not that they were physically broken, but they'd expired their due date. Um, they didn't have spare parts. Um, how do you go out and race a race a car when they're saying, "Oh, just be careful, don't go over the curbs," because if you damage the front wing, we don't have a spare one for you. Yeah, no, it's impossible. Impossible. And Cubix has come in. Robert's come in, and he said, "I'm, you know, I'm twenty five percent ready. This is just how do you walk into a season like that?" He didn't qualify no. very well. He had some issues. But no. I, I think that's indicative of the car, to be honest, and his lack of I seat agree. time. How do you, well, how I do agree. you put a guy in to a championship that's done one 15-lap stint in the car and expect him to perform over pre-season mm-hmm. testing? It was quite obvious that Williams have 
invested a hell of a lot more in Mr. Russell than they have in Robert. And he came in more prepared. I don't think we got an accurate description of how good or bad Robert is over the weekend, smashing his front wing on the first corner, which wasn't his fault, by the way. I think he got no, it wasn't. I think he got cut off by Gasly. <laughs> no, he did. And no, I know. It's just, I love it. It's yeah. just Gasly. Every time you say Gasly, now I'm just going to laugh. Well, he's definitely our whipping boy. Uh, yeah. Well, I kind of think he deserves it. To be so honest, playing devil's advocate, I don't think that we got a, a fair. We've we're at the moment. We've got a fair representation of. How Robert is actually driving. Yeah. No, I know, but there was silly things like him crashing oh. in the pit lane. Like, come on, uh, you know. Yes, the cars are wider than they were ten years ago, but yeah, just stupid mistakes. Little things like that. Look again. I love Robert. I think he's a brilliant driver. His comeback is fantastic. Great but I'm going to stick by. I don't. Th- I don't think he deserves a seat. Not when people like Esteban Ocon are around. And you know, I. It comes back to money. So what does he bring with him? Well, he brings some attention doesn't he? But let's be honest, he's bringing the good guy story to Williams and that's what they re- need right now. Uh, Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton, let's talk about Mercedes and talk about that, that dominance. You know, I think we could probably gliss over Ferrari, to be completely honest. They weren't anything special. Charles Leclerc had a great race. There wasn't anything special there. Vettel had a good race. There wasn't anything special there. They were solid enough, I guess. But good race, mate. That Ferrari died in the backside. I was trying to be nice, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> whatever happened to uh, whatever happened to his Vettel's car, no place, and got overtaken by Max, which is which is staggering for the way for the things that have happened behind closed doors behind Ferrari in the last nine months, but that to happen on the first race in Melbourne, I think there'll be some people behind this in their team scratching heads and but very concerned not only, about their job. Not only that can't be, but with Honda power. That's something else, by the way. Hardly anyone spoke about the whole Honda thing after the victory. Did you notice that? It was Red Bull really and Max going, hey, guys, remember that time when we've got Honda power? WTF1 actually have this great meme of, you know, Max laughing. <laughs> Many photos of Max laughing later on the top of each other about him looking at the... Uh, the Honda memes from last year and how he's not going to have any power and everything else. But one of the interviews uh, on the Netflix series that Max does, you know, he says, I look forward to seeing Daniel next year and I'm going to wave at him when I overtake him. And he, geez, he was bloody close to that happening. And I'm very glad Daniel retired. I wonder if that was part of the reason why they (laughs) retired the car, but I thought, you know, Max doesn't care about getting any higher anymore. He just wants to overtake Daniel and there's going to be that, kind of attitude there. Anyway, Bottas and Hamilton, what do you th- what do you think about oh. Valtteri, mate? I mean, he's come back with a beard and it's not as impressive as yours, but he's come back with a beard and he's started bloody winning races. I think... I don't... I, I can't remember the last time Hamilton's been beaten that substantially. 21 seconds, I know he had some damage on the back of his car and... You never know, he might have just been managing his race once he knew that he couldn't pass and it was, you know, it was a bit of a bus stop. Um, we don't really know, but he got his butt kicked. Um, and it may be that Bottas is going to have one of those years like, he had, like Rosberg had, where Hamilton wasn't, isn't flawless 
and Bodas just keeps performing when he needs to perform, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm not too sure. Hamilton will bounce back. He'll be quicker. He's... The one thing I will say is Bodas looks steely in his resolve. Doesn't he? He... His attitude looks, is so different this year. He just looks uncompromising in everything he does. So I think he's in a good place mentally. I think we touched on this in our first podcast too. But it definitely showed in that first race. Super yeah, humble. Super, super humble guy too. Got out of the car. Yeah, isn't he? Yep. He'd done the job. And he got asked, where did that come from? And he just said, I just don't know everything. Everything just worked. Everything mm. I've done in the pre-season has obviously come to that. I think he qualified really well too. Yeah, he did. He did. I think his whole weekend was really solid, mate, honestly. And yeah. I just think he was really prepared. Good start. And that got him the win, really. And great it's... winter break. You know, you're not driving a rally car through the snow. Not easy. Yeah. And no one else was doing that. Maybe Kimmy with a, you know, mountain bike with rockets strapped to the bloody sides of it, you know, inverted. That's only something that he would do. But no one else was doing racing like that. Yeah, I think you're right. So that's Let's talk about Ferrari quickly. We don't need to Yeah, go on. I know we've said it. But a minute off Bottas, Vettel and Leclerc. Ah, uh, man, oh, what, what's going on? A minute. What, I, won't, I won't talk about Vettel because I've... He obviously had some issues with his car in that second half of the race yep. when Max was able to pull up past him and drive through. But I think mm. if, Le- Le- if Leclerc performs like that consistently, I don't think he's justified his spot at all. He was nowhere in that race. Um I think and you're he right. Pulled up, he pulled up to Vettel because Vettel had some issues, clearly. We don't yeah. know what those are, but before that, he was 20, 25 seconds off the pace. Do you um, think he was, race. you know, part of me wants to say, do you think he was staying back because he knows he's the number two driver? Well, if he's a racer, he should have attacked Vettel when he had the chance. Yeah, I agree, but I reckon there's some other Ferrari politics stuff in his head that's probably stopping him from doing it. I'm not trying to defend him. I agree with you, but I'm just thinking, you know, think of a guy who's that young, who's got Marinello behind him, the weight of Marinello, and the fact that they're invested a huge amount of money in Seb compared to you. Where does that put you? Well, you know, you're the whipping boy of the team. Who cares? If I'm Leclerc, I'm going in there and I'm pissing everyone off because I think it will ultimately Ferrari will respect it. Short term, he might yes, have some issues. Good but call. Good he call. comes in and overtakes and says, I do not care about anything else other than winning. And he overtakes them, defies the team. I think long term it gets respect. I think Ferrari would like that. You know, it's the whole treat of man, keep him keen. Well, and <laughs> At some the fact level. That- I think Ferrari <laughs> would be really into it. Look, I don't know if Bonotto is the name of, the, by the way, the team principal. I don't know yeah. if he's, you know, if he's going to last <laughs> as well, long as Maurizio did. You know, I mean, they're going through bloody team principals, you know, like they're 
it's going out of fashion at the moment. I, I think you're probably right, actually. You know, if Charles goes in there and really sticks it to them and pisses off Fettel and them and everyone else, but ultimately it does better for the team, does better for himself. Well, the facts are stated in the driving and the points at the end of the season. So you yep. can't really argue with that, can you? No, you can't. Haas, Magnussen, Ooh. and Grosjean. Great who, by the way, who, who, great, who, great, great quickly, who's, who is the best person in the Netflix documentary F1 Drive to Survive? Gunther. <laughs> How good is Gunther Steiner? Just, you know, I, I actually really love this documentary because it's really opened up Haas to a lot of people who are sort of going, oh, yeah, I suppose they're a good team. But bloody hell, they've been through a lot. And, you know, I feel for the mechanics from Melbourne last year. Honestly, now seeing that and the lack of practice and all that sort of other stuff, but I also feel for them again with the Grosjean retiring in this race. But Magnussen has got it. Yep. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I've got him in my fantasy league as well. I'm really glad you said league at the end of that. You know, context is important for that statement, but <laughs> you know, he, he, <laughs> wouldn't put a bloody past you again, honestly. The oh, I've told you to take funny. Weber out of your fantasy, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a guy who, you know, first race in the McLaren a couple of years ago, comes in, plays his third. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, right. he has a skill. At Melbourne as well, wasn't it? At it Melbourne, was it was. Yeah. Yep, yep. But he, he did an incredible job then. And, you know, he continues to do incredible jobs still, again, with midfield cars and will just say that it's hard for people to show their true potential in cars that you know suck basically yeah which you know robert okay i get that point put him in a mercedes though he's still not going to be as quick as the other guys i'm just no. i'm saying it you don't agree with me I fine but no, i think you're wrong i oh, know you're right i just don't it's want too much to time out of sport after one race yet. no i agree i agree anyway but Kevin Magnussen and Haas, I love it. I love them. You know, it's the baby Ferrari team. And, you know, I think, you know, Crofty said it at Sky F1. You've got two teams here, Williams and, and Haas. Williams design everything themselves. They build everything themselves and they do all that. And you've got Haas that buys bits and pieces from everyone else and then shoves them all together and then has a car. Two different, very different styles of thinking, two very different results. Yep. I think you're right. And they're being used as Ferrari test squads too. How much can we extract out of the engine? And Absolutely. You try, this, you try that. And yeah. That's part of the, the workings, which I think works out for well for Ferrari. But definitely, it's good to see that midfield super punched and super competitive. I like it. Pick of, uh, pick of drivers for the, the weekend. Who, who's your number one? Uh, I can't go past Bottas. He drove insanely well. Verstappen yeah. was good. But I'm more interested in this midfield, and I think Stroll drove really well. Mm. Um, and it's, if you look at qualifying in the race, sort of the race results, that second half of the midfield sort of all, all out qualified, the top half of the midfield except for really Rockin and Magnuson and Grosjean. But yeah, yeah. we needed that train that got caught behind Giovinazzi and couldn't get past. I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was about four of them. Their well, you're looking race. at Albon, Kvyat, yeah, you know, their, Stroll, Perez, their Hockenberg. Whole race, their whole race strategy 
got held up because of Giovinazzi. I, I don't. I also don't rate him as a driver. By the way, I. I don't think getting rid of Ericsson was a good idea, but anyway, I'm just saying no, that as well. Either do I, mate. Um, but Stroll, yeah, getting back to the driver. Stroll, Kvyat drove great. He came from what 16th on the grid, was it? In Incredible job. Incredible job. Fifteenth on the grid, held that. Probably, he made that mistake trying to pass Stroll down into three. Yep. Um, but showed enough determination to pass Gasly, which was which was a good move after that pit stop, and then oh, held yeah. him, and then held him behind him. Um, but Stroll's probably the one for me that stood out the most. That's and. I think it, it says to a lot of the naysayers, well, here you go. You know, you've got two racing point cars. You've got Sergio and you've got Lance. And Lance was in the points and Sergio wasn't. So, yes, Daddy owns the team. But I'm also saying, well, I've also got some skill here. Yeah, and I think if you can tidy up that qualifying a bit, the one lap raw pace, I think you, as I said last week, uh, on our previous podcast, he could be the guy that's around for the next 15 years. Yep. And why the wouldn't win. he if he's got, you know, the, the ability to stay in the team that his dad owns? And he, if he keeps driving like he did, I don't, still don't think he's a top-line driver. I don't think he's the cream of no. the crop, but he's definitely in that second tier yep. of drivers. So, Well, teams, then, your top three... Top three still Mercedes, Verstappen and Red Bull, not Gasly, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Ferrari. Yeah, okay. I think over yep. the last th- three seasons we've seen that Red Bull has the capability to bring a car at the start of the season, which is which is good, but the upgrades on that on their car throughout the season are always impeccable and they're always fighting up the front by the end of the year. So I think I I don't think in the constructors we'll see much of a change. I still think Ferrari will get it because I don't rate Gasly, but definitely Mercedes, Verstappen, Red Bull, then then Ferrari for me. So I as I said to you, I am falling into the Lando fan camp. Now, he qualified really well. He drove really well. Okay, he didn't get in the points and he finished up 12th, but I really think he should be totally happy with that result. You know, I, I was there on Saturday and Sunday and watching him in practice too. For, Melbourne is not an easy track. Let's just say, like, it looks, it, it just looks easy enough. But when you get onto the bloody thing, it's incredibly difficult to see a lot of the apexes and especially around turn uh, 11, that little curb from the fast down the straight through to the left and then to the fast corner of the right again. It's hard to see that, that point. So I think someone who's never driven that track professionally before coming through there and doing what he did, incredible. Um, yeah. The biggest thing for me though, McLaren, oh, I'm starting to see a bit of improvement there, which leads into my excitement for Renault because obviously they're doing Renault power units. Another point as well, actually, is very interesting, the difference of noise between these different engines. The Honda sounds like something bloody possessed, honestly, going around the track, standing behind it, yeah. and so does the Merc. So the Merc and the Honda are incredibly loud. The Ferrari, maybe not so much, but the Renault is 
almost silent in comparison. It's really bizarre to listen to. Anyway, don't know, and I don't know what that really means in terms of power output and, and the differences and everything else and the way that it's all structured, you know, excuse my lack of engineering background, but it was just interesting to do that. Um, I really want to say Daniel's one of my favorite drivers, but he didn't even make it to the first corner. So that's a thing. Um, I'm just congratulations to him on being brave and having a great weekend around that. You know, I think it's going to be really hard for him to, to not have done anything, let alone any points for that. And qualifying was difficult for him. Had issues with the seatbelt, as we know, in, in um, the practice. But he can't make my top three. I'm not allowing myself to do that. So Lando, definitely. Um, K-Mag, yes, absolutely, is up there for me. Um, I'm more and more on Team Haas, to be honest. I think, you know, they've got a huge future ahead of them. Uh, and I think he'll be around for a while. I'm not so sure about Grosjean staying with the team for too long, too much longer, right? and it really depends on how he's going to have this season. But for, oh, for K-Mag, absolutely. He, he didn't perform that badly on the weekend, man. No, he didn't. But, you know, if we look at last year's performances, he didn't perform that badly the, in the first weekend of the year last year and then mm-hmm. things started going to crap. So we'll see what he does. I mean, he out-qualified Magnuson. Oh, yeah. So, I, look, I'm not taking away yeah. from the fact that he's a great driver. When he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he's not doing anyone any favours because he, you know, crashes into the wall. Um, but, yes, driver of the day, Valerie Bottas, for sure. As I said, like a man possessed, coming through nine, he just was on it. He he desperately wanted that for every single lap of the race. All 58 of them, he wanted to be in the lead. Yeah. And for that, he deserves it. He deserves it because he's got great facial hair now as well. He's just <laughs> bloody doing it to him. Um, but Campy, that's Melbourne 2019. F1 is. is back, baby. And we are bloody keen to share the rest of this year with you. Uh, expect a lot more content coming down range, guys. Uh, we love your feedback. Keep it coming. And shout out to the few people who have given us some feedback already. Uh, happy to accept criticisms. Happy to accept praise. Whatever you've got, send it this way. Follow us at OzF1 on Instagram, at OzF1 official on Twitter. Please subscribe, guys. We'd love to get this out there. Uh, show your friends. Do whatever you need to do. We bloody love it. We just want you to be part of this community of, of loving it as well. We're two opinionated blokes. Campy, and thank you. Very happy for criticism and questions too. When you want this, Send it we don't know everything. No, and we're not technical people. So, you know, a lot of the technical stuff that we've said is probably wrong. Uh, A lot of the facts aren't exactly right. But I'm not even, you know, I I guess I'm sorry a bit if that, if you don't like it. But that's not really what we're about. But anyway, that's a thing. Campy, you enjoy yourself in your shiny red Mustang in the United States of America for the next little while. We're looking forward to having you back in the country. Uh, And we'll see you at Bahrain. We will. It's good to see you, mate. Good to speak to you. Good chat. And we will see you guys in a week and a half's time, two weeks' time. Let's bring it on and let's bring Daniel his first win for 2019. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not biased at all. Also, I don't care. Podcast Network.